Welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners. From real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking. Together, we're Lending Forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.AtlanticBay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043, NMLSConsumeraccess.org is an equal opportunity lender. Located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23452. Welcome back to another episode of Lending Forward. I'm your host, Taylor Ellard, and today we are kicking off the Financial Freedom Blueprint with Tina Call. Tina's built over 800 agents in her team, and we are so excited to do this deep dive with her on upward mobility and how she's built this empire. So if you're a new listener, welcome. And welcome, Tina. I am so excited to get into this. I am personally just excited to learn more about how it is that we need to lay out our future and how important it is to start planning it now. So today kicks off our first of four-part series of Building Your Financial Freedom Blueprint. So we've continued to have this conversation and it's just so important to kind of start now, not in two years, not in five, start planning for your future now. So my first question is, What are some of the game-changing moments in your career that has led to checking in on your financial wellness? Ooh, so I think that about 10 years ago, I woke up one day and I said, okay, I know I'm going to make a lot of money, so I need a money manager and I need to know how where to start. And I was listening to Dave Ramsey at the time, and he has this whole program where you have this financial freedom blueprint. And I started there and I got a referral from him to go to a money manager, a financial planner in the area. So I made an appointment. I sat down with the financial planner and we just started talking about 401ks and paying ourselves first. And that was that's truly what started the idea of paying myself first, because why work if you're not going to save anything? So that would be it, you know, sitting down with a financial planner at 31 years old. I'm 32 almost. So it's like, I need to start now and it waits for no one. So, so now bring us to where you are. How have you built that cushion over time? Well, in the beginning, so even Dave Ramsey talks about have a thousand dollars in your savings as an emergency fund. And in my mind, I would think back then, even at 31, I'm like, only a thousand, like a thousand. But think about like he started that small because people live day to day without even a thousand dollars in their savings. So, so for me, it was save six months of business expense, save six months of housing and personal survival expense. So if my business expenses were, let's say 15,000 for six months, I wanted to make sure I had $15,000 in my business banking account And then if my expenses for housing and all the things were 20,000, I wanted to have those two reserves. So it took me a good year, year and a half to really, you know, sock away those two accounts and build them out to that comfort level. And there's something that starts to happen in your life when you start to see these accounts grow. Now we made big mistakes where we left a lot of money in those accounts. After we started to make a lot of money, we would give the 401k. We had a SEP account, which is a savings account for entrepreneur. And we started to grow that money in our bank account and we weren't spending it on things that would turn it into more money. So it took us like five years ago, six years ago 
we started to buy our first investment properties with the money we were saving. And that's changed our wealth for, you know, in the last five years, it's added another $3 million to our wealth just by taking chunks of 40 or $50,000 and putting them into vehicles to double and triple that amount of money. Wow. I have two questions that come out of that. One would be, what are some tips that can kickstart people to start saving their money that you've learned that are tried and true? I think it's living under your means. Kevin and I were always really good at not overspending and not and taking the time that we needed to take to live in the places we wanted to live, to drive the cars we wanted to drive. I always looked at things as either assets or liabilities. A car is just a liability. I mean, it's it's not making you money. So to go around and drive this fancy BMW before you can actually afford it is not good. So my my thought in my head, anytime I buy something, whether it's a piece of jewelry, a house, a car, anything, can I afford three of these today? Can I buy three BMWs or am I just stretching to buy this one? If you can't afford three of the thing in your hand that you're about to buy, then you shouldn't be buying it. So if you're buying a house and it's $900,000 and you're like, oh, but we can make it, we can stretch... If you can't afford an almost $3 million house today, you shouldn't be buying the $900,000 house. You probably should be buying a $450,000 house, saving, and then working your way up. I mean, I still shop at Marshall's and TJ Maxx, for God's Mm -hmm. sakes, and I make millions of dollars. Why? Because I don't want to give Louis Vuitton all my money. It took me a long time to make it. And just by wearing that badge of honor doesn't make me feel better. It makes me sort of sometimes feel silly that I spent $3,000 on a bag. In fact, I did that the first time and I took it back because I was like, this is not making me any money. (laughs) So you can get the look for less people. Exactly. I know. And they're not paying her to say these things. Marshall's and TJ Maxx. So I guess, what is the rule of thumb for the three? Why three? Because you know, I mean, why? The question why is just so important, especially when it comes to your money and making moves with your money. So why the three? Because you have to think of it as it's not, can I afford it today? It's, can I truly spend the money on this thing? And is it going to make me money back? Is it going to put me my risk factor higher? What if something happened to me? God forbid. I think today, a lot of people are high income earners. They actually make good money, but they live in, in according to what they make. And so they're, they're basically living paycheck to paycheck just in a luxury lifestyle. So you don't want that, right? You don't want to live paycheck to paycheck pretending that you're luxury when you don't have two nickels to rub together on the back end. And so if something happened to the, the breadwinner of the family, you have to sell all those things. That means you can't afford them. And so for me, it's like, you know, our first house 12 years ago in Raleigh was $275,000 we were making at that time dollars $400, $450,000. I have clients today that make $450,000 buying million-dollar homes, buying $2 million homes. That They can't afford that, in my opinion. The bank will tell them they can, but they can't, in my opinion. So they should be saving and stocking away. So as Kevin and I always lived beneath our means, we were able to hoard a lot of our money and our assets and then make better investment decisions because we weren't trying to keep up with the Joneses. And then when you talked about your money manager, when you were younger, so this is kind of where I'm going to lead this is what you would tell your younger self. Well, you got a money manager. What are some of the big things you learned early on from that person that you're still utilizing today? I'll tell you, I made a big mistake. I got a money manager, but I didn't know what a financial manager really was or a financial planner or financial person. 
a lot of these guys and gals and, you know, nothing bad about them, but they put you in these plug and play vehicles of earnings. So I think of them now that I've read, there's a great book called Unshakable by Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins interviews a guy that is a true fiduciary. He's a certified financial planner. To become a certified financial planner, you have to take hours and hours and hours of courses and you have to take and swear under oath. And you're actually a paid for service advisor, meaning that if I bring you, Taylor, in, I'm going to look at your wealth building based on your estate planning first. And your what is your plan if there was a medical emergency? What kind of money do you make? What vehicle should we put them in? Let's see your real estate portfolio. They're basically going to diagnose your whole life, but you're going to pay them up front. Whereas if you go to a financial planner like I went to, they look at, oh, how much money are you going to give me every month? I'm going to invest it for you. Don't worry about this. They put it in, in safe vehicles, yes, but they actually are like little Draculas. They put their little claws in your money and every time there's a trade, they get paid. So they're actually getting paid where you could actually decrease your net worth in a 10-year period by a million dollars because you went to the wrong financial planner. Wow. And so now, literally last week, I hired a fiduciary certified financial planner to take my money away from this other Dracula planner and um, actually put in, put my money and look at our wealth and, and try to manage it better. So I would say go to a true, a true CFP. I would not know to do that. You know, I wouldn't know until somebody tells me, oh, listen, you really ought to look at what happens over the the course of your life instead of the now. Right. So when you're laying out these financial freedom blueprints, it's true. It's okay, let's go. Let's work like we're reading a book backwards. So if you're doing this, like fangs in your money, then it could ultimately cost you more. And people don't think like that. People think, oh, well, I find comfort in the fact that I have a financial planner or, or I've made it because I have a financial planner. You know, there's all kinds of these mentalities that people just don't think about. So that's good to know, especially for those that are just breaking into their careers or starting to make dig their heels in when making lots of money. It's like, all right, well, think about this and, and think about your life over time and what it might cost to be financially savvy and financially well, having you know your wellness in check. But so let's see. Yeah, and there's a list and I'll have to get it to you, but of the 10 things that you should ask your financial planner. And those were things at 31 years old, you just, you don't know. And, and now come to find out, Dave Ramsey gets a cut from these people that bring us in. And so there's, there's all these little back end deals that you don't realize, you know, everyone is out to make money. I mean, that's the reality, right? We need it to survive. So everyone's intentions, you have to just look at what are their intentions? It doesn't mean they're bad people. I mean, I'm a commission based business. Lending is commission based. So is financial planning. It's just how much do you know when you sit down with these people? Do you know the back end? And I didn't care to know. I just trusted. And so now every time I make a big decision with my money, I get enough information to make me dangerous, but not make me the expert. So I just want to know and advocate for myself. Absolutely. And I think building that cushion up front is so important, but then knowing how to use that cushion. So when you said, okay, you've got to a place where you're starting to invest in the right places, what are some of those tips? Where where are you looking to invest now that you've built that cushion out? This is 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line from a 31-year-old who's just breaking into the industry. What would you reflect back and say, I wish I had started doing this more earlier on? 
I think, you know, the thing is you take these little chunks of money. Let's say you're going to buy a $200,000 investment, right? So you take $40,000 with your great credit and your $40,000, you buy a little piece of real estate somewhere. It doesn't anywhere USA, doesn't even have to be your hometown, just anywhere where people are, people will always need housing. So it doesn't have to be a fancy area. It doesn't have to be the most popular area. It has to be an area where there are people and they need houses. And so you put a person, a family into that house and they literally are taking that other $160,000 credit card that you just financed and they are paying that credit card off for you. Like that is the first thing you have to think about. I invested $40,000 in a home five years ago that was a $165,000 purchase. So I owed, let's say a hundred and whatever, what is that? 130,000, 120,000 on it. So now I owe $120,000 on this house. So the five years now have gone by. I only owe maybe, I don't know, 70,000 on the house. So they're paying for it. The house is worth 350,000. So in five years, the house has doubled, more than doubled its, its value. Plus the renters have been paying down my credit card debt on that property. So my wealth, that $40,000 is going to eventually have made me over $350,000. And so in 10 or 15 years, when I want to cash out on that, that piggy bank and put it into retirement or whatever else I want to do with it, I might have a $400,000 piggy bank just sitting there in the middle of Holly Springs, North Carolina. <laughs> so if you do that 10 times, by the time you're 50, so you've got 20 years, you're 32. By the time you're 52, if you do that 10 times, once every two years, you take $40,000, you invested in something. In 20 years, you and your husband are going to have 10 assets. Let's say they're each worth $300,000. That's $3 million worth of almost paid off assets. You won't have to worry about social security. Right. Wow. That's huge. All right. This is kind of like the biggest question. How do you define financial wellness? For me, it's having the curiosity to just learn more about it. I think we we all trust, number one, we trust our family. Our families, half of them are broke. The people that are giving you advice, they're broke, right? So never take advice from your family if they are not absolutely crushing it in the game of financial wellness. So be an advocate, be curious, be a student. I've always been curious about money because my family didn't have any. And so... I had to be the one that said, you know what? I have to learn about this. Who better to surround myself with than people that are wealthy? And so I would get into rooms where people had wealth and wealth conversations. There are like wealth clubs. There are people that spend $3,000 a month to be part of wealth clubs where they just talk about wealth building and taxes. And and it's so boring at (laughs) times, but at least I can manage my family's wealth and help and and then go to the right people to do what I need at that time at my level of wealth building. Absolutely. You surround yourself with people that you want to learn from and remaining a student is so important. And that doesn't just pertain to learning about financial wellness. That pertains to everything in life. So <laughs> You're right. Everything. With upward mobility, and now that you've made it to where you are, what so people in the playing, the level playing field of where you are right now, what is next for your financial wealth? You know, where are you going with that next? And now that you've got somebody that's really going to be able to take their teeth out of you and actually tell you and give you guidance, what are they saying that's next for you? It's really being taking the the money that we have coming into our business, the money we have coming into, you know, I have 
other passive income streams, you know, through my real estate firm now, just by coaching agents. So all of those different streams of income, looking at that and saying, okay, what investment vehicles are we putting it into every month? What is it going to be in five years, 10 years, or 20 years? How much money will we need when we're 60 versus what we need now? A lot of my management is I want to have a lot of fun between 43 and 63. That's when it's time to have a lot of fun. I'm I'm willing, I told my financial estate planner, I said, I want to have a lot of fun in the next 20 years. I want to spend the money because this is when I'm making the most of it. By the time I'm 60 and 70 is when I don't want to go all over the world and travel and hopefully I'll have my health and hopefully I'll be living then. But that's when people traditionally slow down, but they're the richest. And then they don't have enough time to spend the money. They don't have enough physical body capacity to go ride jet skis in Jamaica, you know, so because they're older. So I think for me, it's spending the money wisely now and enjoying it. So part of it is enjoyment. Part of it is putting it in the right investment vehicles. I put it in um, syndications. So syndications are where I could go in and buy a $30 million apartment complex and own 300 doors for five years. I buy it with a bunch of other investors. So we have a $30 million asset. We put 20% down. Maybe I put $200,000 down on that asset. I will double my money in five years. So I'll get back another 200,000. And then each year that $200,000 will pay me 12 to 20% on my money. So I'm getting little checks in the mail because I, I gave a hundred or $200,000 to a syndication deal. Now it's, there's risk involved. That deal could not be profitable. So, so for me, I can take that risk. I don't need the money, so I'm going to take that risk, but I'm going to get a bigger reward. So little things like that I've been playing around with. I want to start flipping more properties. So that's fun just as a as something to do. And then just keep investing in things I know, which is real estate. Absolutely. Well, you've lent forward a lot of advice. And for listeners, the next part of this series is actually going to be a deep dive on our top passive income streams and how to acquire those and how to maintain and sustain and continue to be a student of your own wealth. So we're excited for that. Thank you so much, Tina. This was very insightful. Oh, you're so welcome. And I can't wait for the next one. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in lending forward. So go lend something forward today.